Hi, I'm Sarah Baker. Welcome to Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas. And I want to share that with anyone I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. Welcome to the show today, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, So why don't you tell us and me a little bit about Amanda? Okay. Well, my name is Amanda, and um, I live in the Seattle area, and I have three kids. I have a two-year-old, a four-and-a-half-year-old, and a a a six-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. So... um, You split those up really well. Yeah, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Every... Two years. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and now we're done. Yeah. <laughs> three so, and done. Yes. Okay. I'm yes. a one and done. Right. Three is a lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always kind of my goal to have a bigger family because I was an only child. So. Oh, you were? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. D- did you like the only child life? It was all I knew. And yeah. I, you know, I had a really great family. I'm really close with my parents because of it, I think. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah. I do get a little anxiety about like, am I making the right decision for Grayson? Right. So but there's a lot you can do with an only child too. That like, is true. There's a lot we can't do now because we have three kids, you know? Yes. <laughs> so like you can travel a lot more, you can, you know, afford a lot more, you know? <laughs> so. And that's like really when people ask, I'm like, it's just so hard to explain, but I feel mm-hmm. like two on one. For sure. Just in my capacity of life. Right. Mm-hmm. is what I want to give Grayson, but right. yeah. I'm also like, oh, I know I'm really close with my sister, so I'm For like, sure. what would I do without them? And Right, right. It's a, I mean, it's a big decision, you know, so, yeah. and whatever's right for you is right for you. Yes, you know? so, amen to that. Yeah. Okay, so you've yeah. got three of them. Yes, Okay. and I've been married to my husband for almost 10 years now. Congratulations. So, yeah, thanks, this coming summer, so. Okay, that's exciting. Yeah, we met on eHarmony. Oh, nice. <laughs> so okay. We're one of those people. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I mean, at, I had graduated college in 2006, uh-huh. and I was a philosophy major and an education minor, and I was going to become an elementary school teacher. Okay. Um, but I ended up basically having, like, a mental breakdown and, like, realizing this is an enormous job, and I don't know if I have what it takes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I ended up just, like, having a quarter-life crisis and, you know, okay. moving back to Seattle. <laughs> and oh, where with, were you at? I'm sorry. Um, I went to Whitman College in okay. Walla Walla. Okay. Yeah, and so I moved back with my parents and, you know, I had ended like a, my college relationship at the time. It Mm -hmm. was just like this whole fresh start, you know? (laughs) So like, I got to figure out what I want to do with my life. I really would like to find a life partner. Yeah. (laughs) And so I got on eHarmony. Cool. And yeah. I used to work with a gentleman. That's how him and his wife met. And I always thought it was so fascinating because I was like thinking in my world, they were a little older than me, but in my world, that just wasn't something that we did a lot. Right. Was like, cause for me it was like dangerous, right? Like right. But you I met mean, somebody online, it was dangerous. 10, 15 years that. ago, it had a stigma to it, but yeah. it's like totally different now. That's like how most people meet each other know, now. It's, it's like so out after college or, you know, after yes. you're in school, it's like, where are you going to meet somebody? Well, like, you either meet somebody at work, right. which is where I met my husband, okay, or right. online like it's that. It's like, I, mean, I didn't want to meet somebody in a bar, like a life partner in a bar you for know sure. <laughs> so. for sure I don't even know how you I think I've been in a stage in my life where I've tried that right, right. and I learned 
I don't think that that's what I want out of right. a life partner. For sure. <laughs> that was the beauty of harmony is like we could just lay all the important stuff out yeah, right so from cool. the get-go, you know? That's so. really cool. So he was from here. Uh, yeah. I mean, he grew up, his dad was a national park ranger. Oh, okay. And so he grew up in California, Nevada, and then he moved up here in junior high. Okay, so he's, cool. he lived here most of his life. Now, okay, so. cool. Yeah. All right. So 10 years. That's exciting. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so you had your first baby six and a half years ago. Yes. All right. Take us through your journey. So, yeah, I always wanted to be a mom. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, that was like my number one goal. And I ended up doing my career path being a massage therapist. Okay. And so that was, but my goal with that was to have a flexible career because I wanted to be a mom. That was like the number one thing that I wanted to do. Um. And so, yeah, and, like, my number one fear was, like, am I going to have fertility problems? Mm. Um, Because that was what I wanted most, you know? Yeah. Um, And then we ended up having fertility problems. Oh, you did. Oh, (laughs) So, yeah, we started trying, like, soon after we got married, within a few months. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and so after a few months, I'm like, what's taking so long? Yeah, (laughs) oh, that's so hard. Yeah, yeah, and so we just, you know, we tried for six months, and um, we're like, let's at least just get things checked, just, you know, rule things out so we're not just wasting our time, you know? Right. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to pause you. I just realized Mm -hmm. my music is still on. Alexa, off. I could, like, hear Brandy Carlisle in the background. I was like, I think that's weird. She's awesome. not on this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you tried for six months, and then you right. went in. And, yeah, we just went in just to rule things out. We're like, it's probably fine. They say it can take up to a year, but it was a good thing we went in. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so we were dealing with male factor infertility. Okay. And um, – it was pretty bad. <laughs> mm. And that was like unexpected. Do they ever give you a, this, forgive me for my ignorance in this, but do they ever give you like a reason why? Like, is it something like they could say like, like this is what's causing it or this, mm. or are they just like, sorry, it's not going to work. It depends on the, on the, the situation. Okay. Like okay. in our case, they didn't know why. Really? They, like they did all of the tests they could do and they couldn't find any reason why. But they just um, knew it wouldn't. Right. I okay. mean, in some cases, there are, like, physical reasons, okay. like, why. But um, in our case, it was just unexplained. Oh, so, <laughs> so odd. And it's got to be so frustrating because you're like, okay, right. so what's my next step then? Right. Right. Exactly. So. So what did they have you do then? Um, well, they were basically said, like, well, it is so bad that you probably only have, like, a 1% chance of conceiving naturally. And so you're probably going to have to do IVF, like with ICSI, which is where they actually like inject a sperm into the egg with a needle. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's that bad. And we're like, wow, is there like no other option for us to like try and improve things, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, They just wanted to push us right into IVF. Mm. Um, But we're like, you know, that's a huge expensive decision. Let's Let's try some things first. Well, expensive <laughs> so. financially, and from right. what I know about it, obviously just from stories, but yeah. it's also really expensive on your body. Like oh, the yeah. toll it takes on Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's got to be something it's to huge. factor in as well. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, it takes a toll on all different levels. Yes. <laughs> so. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we just tried a bunch of other things first because like we're only six months in. Like, let's right. at least try some things first, you know? Yeah. Um, so we did some acupuncture and, um, 
just, you know, tried to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we checked in like three or four months later and it had gone like from like God awful to really bad. Um. (laughs) So we're like, okay, well, let's try this a little bit longer. And then it went to, you know, from really bad to like pretty bad. (laughs) So it was like the improvement just like wasn't enough. Right. It was improvement, but it wasn't even getting to normal levels. Yeah. So, yeah. So Mm. we're like, well, we could try IUI, but even then the odds aren't that high. Is that where they like inseminate you? Mm -hmm. Inseminate? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. With his semen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, um, we figured it wasn't going to be worth the cost, you know, if we're going to do that over and over and it kept on not working. So Mm -hmm. we were like, well, maybe this is how we are going to get our family. (laughs) So we just kind of got to that point. We're like, okay, I, I guess IVF is what we're going to do. Okay. Um, yeah. So then we tried to, I mean, we had to save money for a little bit longer to, cause yeah. we wanted to, you know, we didn't want to go into debt just to, <laughs> for sure, just to have a child, you know? Well, and I mean the odds of IVF working and the stories right. are just like so inconsistent. It's like, exactly. You just don't even know what the outcome is. And that be. was scary too. Like, for sure. are we going to spend all this money and it not work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, I know in Europe, they give you like two on the national healthcare, they give you like two free rounds of IVF, but not here. (laughs) It's all out of pocket. And it's like one of the most expensive, you know, specialties. So yeah. 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 So it was a big decision. Yeah. It is a big decision. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are newly married. Yeah. This was, yeah, we finally did that at about 18 months after we were married. Okay. So yeah, we had been experiencing infertility for 18 months. That's that's a lot. I mean, I know that people say like, oh, marriage is hard, but I would say marriage is hard, but adding a complication like that, especially when there's like a desire Mm -hmm. and then you can't do something that you think your body should be able to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that has got to put a lot of pressure. It can make or break a marriage a a lot of times. And so I'm really grateful that I think it actually brought us closer, like going through this hard thing together so soon after being married, you know? Yeah. So I think- Thankfully, it was a positive thing for us. Yeah. So, well, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to stay positive, even though it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I I can't even imagine. Yeah. And our story is, like, not even that bad. Like, I know there are people who have, like, way harder stories than we do with oh, infertility. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, perspective is good to maintain, like, a grateful heart. But it is. For sure. That's a hard place to be. But it's still a struggle when you're in it, you know. So. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So how many rounds was it? The first round? So, yeah, the first round, um, we decided to transfer two embryos. Okay. Um, so we knew there was a chance of twins. Um, but we're like, we want to take that chance. Like, if I figured if I'm going to have twins, I would rather it be the first time around. Because, like, mm-hmm. if you have a toddler and then twins, then it's really hard. (laughs) So I was like, if I'm going to have twins, I might as well do it the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so the, the doctor that I was seeing, they actually like shifted. They had like three doctors that were on a rotation for like a couple weeks at a time. And so right before I was about to do my trigger, like where they do the egg collection, I got a new doctor and I honestly didn't like her as much and she actually increased my hormones too much that like she shouldn't have. 
considering I was only 28 at the time and was like relatively healthy mm. reproductively and everything. Um, and so, yeah, so it ended up sending me into what they call ovari- ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Oh <laughs> and my. so, yeah. And so it's very, very painful. I was going to say, I've actually had a mom on here who had something oh, really? very similar. Okay. That, mm-hmm. that does cause your, your ovaries, ovaries are like flare. potatoes. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, too much, um, of the hormone, it like overcompensates. <laughs> and so. so what is the like treatment and recovery for that? Um, just bed rest and fluids. Mm. <laughs> That's all it is. And, and pain relief, you know, oh, Advil. Man. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even though I still had that, they, um, they still decided to do the transfer once I got, oh. yeah. Okay. So now knowing what I know, like they should have just frozen the embryos and waited for me to get better and then do the transfer. But that's not what they did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and how do you know? Right? And we it's, didn't know. I mean, we're like new to all this. Like, I mean, I was learning a ton, but I mean, there's, yeah. you know, you can't know everything. <laughs> you can't. So. I mean, I've delivered a human. Right. And I still know nothing really about birth in right. the grand scheme of like what could happen. Sure. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so they anyway, so they, they ended up transferring two okay. embryos and yeah and then it's like the two-week wait right you have to wait yes. to see if it worked <laughs> mm-hmm. and waiting for the phone call you go in for your blood test and then you have to wait for the phone call mm. and yeah so then we got the phone call like we're so sorry it didn't work and then started my period the next day <laughs> and that was like devastating oh. <laughs> it was devastating that is devastating so, so did you still have eggs to yes okay so you didn't have to go through another retrieval thankfully we had six left okay so um I will circle back to that later in the story okay yeah <laughs> um yeah and so after that it was kind of like a spiritual crisis for us mm. as well it was like why god you know like why yeah. is this even allowed to happen, you know, <laughs> and For like sure. it was definitely like went into a depression and, you know, it was bad <laughs> just cause it was what I wanted most, you know? Well, and so, <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst news you could ever get. And mm-hmm. I think what's hard too, is like when you go into it, probably thinking like, this is going to be the one, right? Like you have this feeling, you, feel so you don't hopeful. say it, but you're like, I don't want to jinx it, but like, I know I've right. got this feeling. And then Sure. Yeah. Just totally and the doctors down. were so optimistic. They're like, you're young and you have healthy eggs. We got so many Ugh. and you know, like things are looking good, you know, so you get hope. I mean, you know, it's not 100%, but you get hopeful, you know, well, you know, it's not 100%, <laughs> so. but you feel like you're going to get a call that says, right. You're pregnant. Exactly. Exactly. So mm. yeah. So how after- did you pull yourself out of that then? Did you, or are you, were yeah, you still like, we did. Um, we basically just decided to take a break. Cause okay. we're like emotionally, like we can't handle this. Like at this point, like we need to get ourselves together before we try yeah. again. Thankfully we had the embryos for like, okay, so we'll, we'll try again. Um, so yeah, but about two months after that, um, we were visiting my family down in Oregon and I was feeling really tired. (laughs) Okay. Oh, (laughs) and I was like, uh, you know, like my period is due. I'm probably just PMSing really bad. And, (laughs) and we went hiking in the mountains and I was like dragging. I'm like, why can't I not 
get one foot in front of the other. I was yeah. so tired. And I was starting to get a little suspicious, you know. But you hadn't done another. No, we hadn't done another IVF. I mean, so, we weren't preventing anything, but like, sure, it, okay, you know, we with what we had been told, we're I have like, like it's goosebumps, pretty unlikely, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but I was starting to get suspicious because then it was like I was a day late, and then I was mm. like, mm, you know, it could be, but I'm like, after everything we've gone through, I don't want to get my hopes up. It's probably nothing, yeah. you know. Um, but we're on this vacation, and I didn't want to like ruin it for Bill, my husband, and so mm-hmm. I didn't tell him that I was like that it was so even in tired. my head. Oh, that you were <laughs> like, like that I was like it. maybe like yeah. should I take a pregnancy test? You know, yeah. I had done eighteen months of negative pregnancy tests. You know, and so yeah, you know that's a really real thing that I'll say I can't appreciate mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. Like in my mind, I'm thinking like go to the store and just get a pregnancy test, like right. find out. But right. there is like this. I, I interviewed a mom a while back. She has a podcast where she talks to moms all that have struggled with like oh, infertility okay. and yeah all this stuff. And she just said like, there's nothing like ever, like there's nothing you'll ever, when you first hear you're pregnant and mm-hmm. then she has a miscarriage, right? So she's like, mm-hmm. when you first hear you're pregnant, it's like this exciting, like I'm pregnant. It's all the feelings you should have. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like disappointed. Right. And then there's mm-hmm. also the other side of that where you've never had that feeling, exactly. but you've had a lot of disappointment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, even when you do get it, I'm sure there's like still a like, oh, okay, what's next? Right. Because right. it's this disappointment journey you've kind of been on this whole time. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like you're guarded yeah. going into it. Yeah. Which sure. is real and not something mm-hmm. I like a lot of women really truthfully in my experience can't appreciate that. Right. Like right. not because they don't want to, but because right. they just. Because you haven't experienced it. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. Ugh, mm-hmm. So hard. Yeah, for sure. So how'd you get through the vacation? You just so, extra yeah. coffee and. <laughs> yeah, it was trying just like to distract yourself through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so by the time we got home, it was, I was like three, four days late at that point. And I was like, I'm, you know, I have a stash of pregnancy tests at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When we get home, I'm going to take one and, you know, it's probably nothing. I don't want to make a big deal of it. I'm not going to tell my husband, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got home really late. It was like one in the morning. And I was like, I'm just going to take this pregnancy test. And I did. And immediately it was like <laughs> lying immediately, like dark. It wasn't even like squinting to see it. it was at one in like, the morning? At one in the morning. Oh, man. And I literally almost fainted like I was shaking and like like crying and like almost fainted because I was so shocked yeah because I'd never seen a positive pregnancy test in my life before (laughs) so were you feeling like just happy and scared and yeah everything you could think of yeah it was it was just like shock and and still like fear like Mm -hmm. is this really happening it was the summertime, and so I was like, think fast, think fast. How am I going to tell Bill? <laughs> and so it was almost our anniversary, and so I just stuck the pregnancy test in a gift bag. Oh, nice. <laughs> and so I went I like downstairs. Is like, I have an early anniversary gift for you. He's like, can't we wait until our anniversary? I was like, no, no, we can't. <laughs> so was this like you took it, went downstairs? Yeah, he oh, was just okay. downstairs like unloading the car while I was doing this. Oh, wow, I love this, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I gave it to him and he opened it and he was like shocked. He was like fumbling and like dropping the pregnancy oh. test and he was like, "Is what? Like, mm. are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I'm like, would I be kidding you about something like this? <laughs> and so. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were just like 
in shock. <laughs> so did you next day, like doctors to figure out? Yeah, I called the fertility and- doctor the next day and like I went in and got the blood test. And sure enough, like my levels were really high and like I was legit pregnant. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Did they explain why? Like, was no. there a reason why? They were like, well, every once in a while, there's just like a miracle like that. Like, we wouldn't have guessed it, but here we are. <laughs> wow. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So we so got pregnant naturally. That's our first. Wow. Yeah. That was our son, Alex. <laughs> so. Amazing. So were the, I know, I don't want to spoil the story, <clears throat> but were the other two natural then as well? They were. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah. I mean, fast forward to the other two. We thought we were going to have to use our embryos mm-hmm. to conceive if we wanted to have more children. We're like, this was probably just a freak thing. We got really lucky. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to have to use our embryos. And so when my son was nine months old, we started trying again because we're like, we might as, I mean, there's nothing to lose. We might as well, you know. Well, and with IVF, you have no clue how long it'll take. Exactly. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And within a month or two, I was pregnant again. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're like, what? So what weird. is going on? <laughs> I mean, amazingly weird, but I weird. Know. I know. I know. Like, all we can say is like a God thing. That's all we can yeah. attribute it to. <laughs> that was just like so. when that he was ready to have you... Yeah. Have a baby. Yeah. I mean, there must be some spiritual lesson there. Like we don't have control ultimately. Yeah. We just don't. And yeah. That is <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. Um, and so we actually went and got Bill tested again. Cause like, this is bizarre. Like yeah. after everything we went through and then we naturally conceived our son and then I got pregnant like within a month or two and yeah. And so his levels were like, there was still low, but they were within the normal range. And we're like, how in the world? Like, we weren't even doing, like, anything special at that point. We weren't doing acupuncture, like, nothing at that point. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. What a miracle. Bizarre. Yeah. We're so thankful. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. So, but I did end up miscarrying that time. Oh. Um, yeah. And I'm so really then, sorry to hear that. Oh, it's okay. I mean, it was pretty early. It was, like, six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, it was, it was pretty early. Um, yeah. And then, so we tried again. And once again, like the first time we tried, I got pregnant again. It was like, we're like, what the heck is happening? Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, yeah. And then I had a chemical pregnancy that time. So I did Mm. experience a little bit of loss during that time. Um, I'm thankful it was so early. Like, I think it would be a lot harder if it was later, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And how early was the next time? It was very early. I mean, like okay. within days of when my period okay. was due. So mm-hmm. I got like the positive pregnancy test and then you get your period, you know? Okay. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. So then we just, we tried again and then that time it stuck. Okay. <laughs> so during that time, were you thinking like, okay, maybe IVF is going to have to be possibly. our future because I can't right. actually conceive again? Yeah. We were okay. thinking that was entirely possible. Yeah. And we were thankful that we had the embryos just in case. Yeah. You know? That is something to so, be yeah. thankful for. But mm-hmm. man. But yeah. So then, yeah, that third time after my son was born, we tried. And like once again, second or third try, and we were pregnant again. <laughs> oh my so. gosh. 
And that was my daughter. Wow. <laughs> so. When did you ever like get over the fear of losing that pregnancy or was it kind of just with you the whole time? Well, I mean, once I got into the quote unquote safe zone, I relaxed yeah. a little bit. Okay. You know, once you get out of the first trimester, mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I did feel like, okay, I, maybe this is actually happening now. <laughs> yeah. So. I feel like I had a lot of fears in pregnancy. <laughs> But it didn't ever wrap up with, like, an actual tangible loss. Right. So I always am curious, like, how Mm -hmm. people get past that or if it's just something that they carry forever. Right, right. I mean, like, my husband dealt with it differently than I did. Oh, okay, interesting. So, like, he was just, like, very withdrawn until we kind of got into that safe Mm. zone. Like, he didn't want to get too excited until we were, like, a little further along. Um, whereas like I was allowing myself to be excited, but like surrounding myself with community, you know, mm-hmm. like not everyone, but you know, just like the closest people in my life I told, you know, okay. so like if something were to happen, I would have their support, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. The take on like, do I tell a lot of people? Right. Do I not? Do I tell close people? Do I not? It's right. hard, but I do think what you said is really important of like, right. if something was to happen, mm-hmm. It's important to have that community. Absolutely. Because it can can get dark. So isolating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know everybody deals with their loss and grief differently, um, but that's how I dealt with it. And I was really, really grateful that I had told the people who were close to me. Yeah. Because they were there. For sure. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I just think sometimes... I get privacy. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. a super private person, so I guess Me I neither. <laughs> I get it from afar. Right. I respect people's privacy. Sure. But I also, um, yeah, I do think that can cause people to be in more isolation than Absolutely. they should be. It in can a time make like it that. even harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm all for have a village. <laughs> yes. Yes, have a for village. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Okay, so with your third baby, did you experience any Um so yeah, we conceived naturally with our third again and just all the way through. Yeah. So actually after my son was born, mm-hmm. um I was starting to learn a lot about nutrition and that okay. kind of thing and we actually did make some pretty big changes. It was about the time he was starting to eat solids. So okay. I was like starting to care a lot about like, mm-hmm. what am I going to feed my baby that's healthy food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was doing like a lot of homemade baby food and a lot of things that I didn't do the second and third time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. See, I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> because we only want one, I'm never mm-hmm. going to experience that. Right. But I did almost in a sense, because when Grayson first started on solids, I was Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm going to make food. And I did, I steamed everything. I made it. And then like two months later, I was like, um, sorry, there's this thing called a pouch and it's made by a company. Absolutely. Who does all this for me? So much easier. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of like experienced that, like, I'm going to try really hard. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to try that hard. Totally. Totally. (laughs) I'm just going to pay for the convenience. Absolutely. 100% 100% all the way. <laughs> yeah. So you got into nutrition just for that, like just because yeah. you're like, I'm going to feed him. Right. And I was food. also kind of in the mentality of like, if he's going to be our only child, you know, it's mm. like, I want to put, you know, everything I have into him, you know, yes. and I mean, only I'm sure you understand that feeling. I 100% <laughs> understand that feeling. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so I was really learning a lot about, um, at the time, um, I don't know if you've heard of Weston A. Price. It's like a, Mm-mm. it's basically the idea behind it is eating the way people ate before there was industrialized food. Okay. <clears throat> so before the industrial revolution, everybody ate just like real whole foods. Right. And that's, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea behind it. So okay. 
Yeah. So that was kind of the change that we made. So um, you guys all did this as a family. As a family. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we realized that especially in your fertility years, like fats and stuff are actually really important. Okay. Um, and, you know, for baby's brain development and things like that. And so we actually incorporated some more fats into our diet and things like that. Um, and healthy fats. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we, you know, eating a lot more vegetables and um, soaking grains and nuts and things like that. Okay. Um, yeah, so a bunch of changes like that. And so, yeah, by the time my daughter came along, we had my husband tested again because we had been doing this diet for a while. Yeah. And he was all the way to, nor- like, well in normal range. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. So the... D- we think the diet really actually made a difference. I yeah, mean, we don't know, we'll never know for sure, but yeah. 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 So that's really cool. So since then, like, I guess not an issue for us yeah. anymore, which was <laughs> not what we were expecting. <laughs> so that's amazing though. Yeah. So our third was conceived naturally. Okay. That's <laughs> so. so cool. It's so cool because you don't often hear a story like that. We're like, we're, we're destined to have an IVF baby mm-hmm. and go through all of that roller coaster and trauma and all of it right and then to find out you have all three yeah naturally yeah we're kind of unusual it's <laughs> so, so cool yeah we're so thankful that's so. really cool it's like you get to dip into a little bit of the perspective of what a mom yes could be going and i'm really grateful that i went through mm-hmm. it because it has given me so much perspective yeah i bet so i do yeah. think that's really cool because mm-hmm. it's it's a dark road. And I will say yeah. only doing this, like mm-hmm. sitting with other moms and being comfortable asking questions, which I think sometimes before when I was in a mom's group, I was really uncomfortable to ask because right. I didn't want to dive into it. And now I've learned, I think moms want to talk about that because I think so. they've done a lot of it in isolation and it's right. a dark process. Right. For sure. For sure. And that's actually one of the reasons, like I mentioned, I have a YouTube channel. Yeah. (laughs) That was one of the reasons that I started it was because like, I felt like other moms need support in going through this kind of thing. And I've been through it and I have some experience now, you know, and I want to create some community for moms out there. So, yeah. So tell us about your, we mentioned the YouTube channel before we hit record. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) let me hit record. Right. Right. Capture all the good stuff. Okay. So you have a YouTube channel. I do. When did you start that? I started about five and a half years ago. Okay. What's it about? So, um, it's my tagline is moderately crunchy lifestyle and parenting. Okay. (laughs) So I like it. Yeah. So it's, it's basically aimed at moms. Um, okay. Yeah. And I have talked about basically everything that I've gone through in my parenting journey on my channel. <laughs> so you break it down. Like, do you do it weekly or monthly? Um, as I am able. Okay. I like that. <laughs> That's a great answer. I don't put pressure on myself. That's so good. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so, cause I am not really great with sticking to hard and fast schedules. Okay. So yeah. So it, it has over time ended up being once or twice a week. Cool. Sometimes I'll go for a month without posting a video. There's been a lot of drama lately, which I thought I was going to quit, but now I'm not. But I don't need to go into that. Okay. <laughs> but okay. Uh, long story short, I'm still on YouTube. Okay. But um, yeah, it's been a really cool experience. That's cool. So yeah. And do you um, do other moms like interact with you on there? Uh, yes. I, that's part of the drama that YouTube took away my comments for no good reason. <laughs> Oh, interesting. YouTube has some issues, but yes. <laughs> um, so I, 
up until that point, I, yes, I interacted with moms through the comments a lot. Okay. Or people would email me or connect through Facebook. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, so which I am actually trying to do more. I'm trying to expand on Facebook a bit more just mm-hmm. so I can have a way to communicate with people and still have that community without yeah. my YouTube comments. <laughs> so yeah. did they yeah. take that away? You don't have to go through all of it, but yeah. did they take that away for everyone or just you or they had you know, a bunch of legal action that they were taking for mm-hmm. people were abusing comments and using them in perverted what? ways. People do that. Like, right. <laughs> like who would guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> but there was, you know, there was not very much communication about it and they didn't give any warning. They would just take people's, you know, comments away and That's without so any way to communicate about it or any way to fix it or any, you know, so, mm. Yeah, that's a little annoying. Yes, <laughs> but the joys you know. and the pains of social media. Exactly, yes. exactly. So Here it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool though that you have Facebook as an yes. outlet to still so connect. I'm still connecting with people over there, and okay. that's been really a positive thing. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things in like your parent journey that have led you to be like, I need to be in community? Other than obviously mm-hmm. your conception experience. Right. That's kind of what started it. Okay. Um, but yeah, our parenting journey has been a whole other roller coaster in and of itself and I have talked about all of it going back to the IVF um so we had six embryos left Mm -hmm. and we had three children (laughs) and we're like we are done yeah (laughs) like we are at the point like where I think we are at capacity for what we can provide for our children like Physically, financially, emotionally, like we feel like we are in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> I had originally wanted two to four kids and we have three and we like a know, good medium. I, you know, we both felt <laughs> a lot of peace about like we're done now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but here we still have these six embryos left over. Yeah. And so, yeah. And that's actually a big issue for a lot of people who have gone through IVF is what yeah. do you do? If your family is complete, what you, do you do with mm-hmm. the remaining embryos? And people have a lot of different opinions about that. Mm -hmm. Some people have really strong feelings about like, you know, that is a human life. Like you shouldn't destroy it. Like other people are like, well, it's just a couple of cells. Like it's not, you know, like. (laughs) For sure. um, And, you know, I respect everybody's opinions Mm -hmm. on that. But um, for me, it was kind of like a journey of like, we went through all of this sacrifice, all of this emotional roller coaster Mm -hmm. and we spent so much of our financial resources (laughs) just to make this happen like I I mean and Bill felt the same way like we don't really want to just destroy them yeah like after all we went through like that seems like a shame you know right right (laughs) um and so the other options are you can donate them to science Mm -hmm. or you can donate them to another infertile couple okay so um Yeah, so that was kind of like a mental, emotional process that we had to go through. Like, Mm -hmm. what do we want to do? Yeah. (laughs) Can you walk us through? I actually have asked, I mentioned earlier, like, oh, I like being able to do this because I can ask a question that I'm usually afraid to answer. But I have asked a question about this specifically, and I feel like I wasn't educated enough to truly understand, like, what Mm -hmm. that type of experience is so let me try to ask it now okay (laughs) as I feel a little bit more educated but so how did you um like actually come to that conclusion of like okay this is we don't want to destroy them Mm -hmm. like what's that process like and then how do you mentally decide like 
we're like, what's the pros and cons to science? What's the pros and cons to right donating them? Right, right. Well, we felt like, you know, we probably wouldn't, would have been okay donating them to science. Like, I think there's a lot of really amazing, you know, medical, you know, discoveries that they're making these days and mm-hmm. things that they can do for, you know, kids with cancer or just understanding infertility better or there's all sorts of, you know, like neurological things that they can study. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was definitely a viable option for us. Um, but at the same time, we're like, you know, these could be people. Yeah. <laughs> and that kept nagging me in the back of my head. Like mm-hmm. these could turn into people, you yeah. know? Um, well, and then, they could answer somebody's exactly. prayer, right? Somebody's and desire, somebody's want. what we had been through mm-hmm. and how hard that that road is, the -hmm. infertility journey, um, how much that could, you know, bless somebody else. Yeah. Um, so I kept coming back to that, but then you have in your head, like, well, there are genetic children. Like, would that be weird? (laughs) Would that be really hard? You know, that's what you have to, the hump you have to get over in your head, you know? Yeah. And not everybody does. And that's totally fine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just a lot of prayer really. And, we finally got to a point of really feeling peace about it. Like, mm-hmm. I think we want to donate our embryos to a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so then it was just a matter of who. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And then that's then you have to like, pick. do you okay. want to do it like anonymously? Do you want to do it to a you know, known family? Um, and so I thought like, well, if it was anonymous, that might actually be kind of hard for me you know, knowing there might be our genetic children out there somewhere and we wouldn't even know, you know, Mm -hmm. so. So it's anonymous to you or anonymous to them? um, Both directions. Like you just Mm. donate them to the agency and and like the infertility clinic. Pick them. And then, yeah. I mean, like you give a general medical history, like that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, it's anonymous. And so I had a hard time, Mm -hmm. like, thinking about the potential possibility of genetic children running around out there somewhere and not knowing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I had listened to a lot of people's stories about adoption um, and embryo adoption. And it seems like the tide has kind of shifted in the last, you know, 10, 20 years about whether adoption should be open or closed. Like what's most, I mean, Obviously, there are situations where you want it to be closed, like there's like a toxic situation or something like that. But if it's not that kind of situation, then Mm -hmm. openness is actually best for the child Mm -hmm. Um, just because people want to know where they're from, you know. Well, and nowadays, I mean, couldn't they find that out? Like if they did Ancestry and then you did Ancestry, they'd be like, wait a second. Right. And that's the other thing is like they're there really just aren't secrets anymore. Right. <laughs> like that's, with that's genetic testing. That's my biggest question, mm-hmm. I guess, is like, l- that would be, I guess, the question I'm trying to ask is like, mm-hmm. how do you get over that part of like, okay, mm-hmm. someday they could go on to Ancestry. Right. And find out that I'm their mom. Right. And I think ultimately that's one of those things. It's like, we might as well be open about it because we don't want some right. huge emotional situation like that. Right. Where, you know some huge fallout. <laughs> right. So, well, cause the backlash of that could be really right. Bad. I mean, especially if their parents didn't tell them or mm-hmm. something, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that could get ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if it was going to be our genetic children, you know, we wanted to have an open relationship mm-hmm. with the family. Um, just so, 
you know, so we knew where they were going. Yeah. And so we could have some say in where they were going. Mm -hmm. And so that if there are any remaining or any children produced that they know where they came from. Yeah. So. And someone that is like-minded. Exactly. Somebody that understands like you're not trying to say, oh, I want to know. Right. I want to know these children. Like you're not saying like I'm their mom. Right. Right. That doesn't make you their mom. Right. I mean, because this person would carry them and right. nurse them and everything. Also, you know, mom so. doesn't have to be the person that carries sure. you and Absolutely. delivers you. Like yep. a mom is so much more than that. So, mm-hmm. but I think somebody like-minded of like, okay, but we want to, right. We just want to be in a communication of like, to. this is what's happened. Like right. they're important to you, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're important to them, obviously. Right. Exactly. Same mind, same goal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we actually ended up finding a family through a friend of a friend. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my best friend, she's like, I follow this gal's blog, and um, you might want to check out her latest posts because she was talking about, oh, we're just kind of putting our feelers out there. Like, if anybody is wanting to donate embryos, and I'm like, oh, what? Wow. <laughs> and so, crazy. Yeah. And so I reached out to her. I was like, maybe we could get to know each other a little bit. Like, um, we do have some embryos, and maybe we could see if we might be a good fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we did. And we just like friended each other on Facebook and messaged each other. And um, we're like, wow, we have a lot in common. Like we're on the same page. I mean, not on everything, obviously, because sure. nobody is, but like on a lot of things, like, you know, we're on the same page. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I felt like these are really good folks. Like mm-hmm. I would feel good about having our genetic <laughs> yeah. embryos going to them, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's actually probably going to be happening in the next couple months. Oh, wow, that's exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I should congratulations. have her interview. You should interview her. She's amazing. Yes, I'd <laughs> so, love to. Yeah. That's yes. really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I what again, I'm with you. Like, believe what you want to believe. Do what you want to do. Totally. But I do think that's really magical, like, mm-hmm. to help somebody along their I think journey. so, yeah. In any capacity that you can. Right. And it so just, cool. it felt so good to us, you know, like, just feeling like after all we went through, like maybe this, there was a purpose behind it, Mm, you know? That's really cool. So it wasn't all for nothing. (laughs) Well, and even if it's just like, who knows again, Mm -hmm. obviously that's very risky and there's a lot of things we can't control in the outcome of that. But right. The thing is like, maybe even just you doing that helps Mm -hmm. change somebody's perspective on embryos or change somebody's perspective on like adoption or whatever it is, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. so many bigger things in the world that these small little pebbles in the water can cause a ripple to. And Mm -hmm. it's good to look at it like that. Yeah. Cause I think that's really cool. Cause it's hard to go through all of that. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, totally. And so to have the positive. Yeah, it's really cool. absolutely. It's something beautiful can come out of it, I think. Yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so now you're in this journey of motherhood. So, yes, shifting gears. <laughs> six, four, and two, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, six and a half, four and a half, mm-hmm. two and a half. Yeah, yeah. he just turned two in October. So. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Not two and a half, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. What is that like? managing all that it's it's crazy yeah we say we have a monkey house okay <laughs> hey that's fun though it's it's crazy but wonderful yeah so that's, yeah that's motherhood it really is yeah. I mean and I think all mothers can relate to that mm-hmm. it's like insane but mm-hmm. incredible like the most incredible experience of your life yeah that's so cool so rewarding was there a lot of like difficulty for you from going from like one to two two to three or did it feel just like Okay, autopilot, I've got this. Um, 
I actually found the transition from one to two the hardest. Okay. From going from none to one and then one to two was the hardest going like third one was absolutely the easiest for us. I know it's different for everyone, mm-hmm. but like that was easy peasy. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's little... why people get from four to six. Right. To eight. Exactly. <laughs> Easier. They do get more independent yes. as they get, you know, and they can actually help you, you know? Yes. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So what made the transition? Like what was hard about one to two for you? Um, well, they were almost exactly two years apart. Okay. And, um, I can touch on this later, but like my son is actually a very high needs (laughs) child. Um, and you know, he, he's very intense. (laughs) And so, you know, he needed a lot from mommy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was definitely like lots of big emotions once little sister came along. Okay. And I mean, I, that's normal, you know, yeah. when any second child comes along. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was definitely like stressful at that time. <laughs> well, it takes like that. I, I will say like the having the first baby, right? Like you can come home, you mm-hmm. adjust, you get figured out. Like obviously it's difficult in its own ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've seen people go from one to two. For me, I watched these like siblings experience like jealousy yes. or mm-hmm. confusion or like intense love and then intense right. like despot. It's just, right. it's a lot for a child to process. Oh, it is. Especially yeah. at two. For sure. When you're two and you don't fully understand like, oh, this little person is here to stay, you know, yes. <laughs> yeah. it's a, you know, it's, it's a lots of big feelings they have about that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, lots of acting out and, mm. you know, so it's like, you have to do triage. Like Which already happens at two. So oh, it absolutely <laughs> does. Yes. <laughs> I know. So, yes. Cause you have a two year old. Yes. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you are in it. <laughs> yes. I'm in it. I'm like yes. riding the wave right now. Absolutely. Like, here we go. <laughs> two and three is in our experience even more intense. You know, so. everyone says that. Yeah. I'm starting to get a little concerned because every <laughs> person I know says that. And I'm like, wait a second. I feel like I heard terrible twos. Right. No one told me this would last for three yeah. plus years. You, they don't <laughs> tell you that. I'm like, why do they say terrible twos? <laughs> I mean, cause it, it can be hard at two, but yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, three I'm, can be in- intense. I'm trying to <laughs> but just, but then it gets easier again. Okay, good. So, <laughs> okay, good. Four hit and we're like, wow, this is like, I have my baby back again. <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah. at least I have something to look forward to in two yeah. years. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it varies a lot yes. too. So, okay. Yeah. So tell me about your son. You mentioned that he's a little bit more high need. Yeah. Okay. So that's a story in and of itself. Okay. <laughs> so, um, when he was, he was always a very verbal baby. Like even from the time he was like six months or like he was trying to talk. Mm. <laughs> um, and at the same time, he was also very behind in his like motor skills. Um, he crawled pretty late and he didn't walk until almost 19 months. Okay. Um, it, but at the same time, like he was like speaking in full sentences and like, like he knew his alphabet, his numbers, like shapes, like he was starting to, um, like read and write <laughs> at age, wow. you know, 19 months or whatever he was. So he was like wow. doing that before he was walking. Um, was this something that you just were like, Oh, whatever. Everybody learns on their own. Or were you like, no, I'm concerned. And I'm, well, we were a little, like his doctor was a little concerned. Okay. Like she's like, if he gets to 19 months and he's not walking, then we need to send you to children's. Okay. Um, mm. 
And we had already gone to children's because his head was huge. <laughs> oh, really? So, which there's my labor and delivery stories, which I could tell <laughs> as well. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh man, ouch. <laughs> yeah, because I did a home birth with him. And oh, so, wow. But that's another story. But um, yeah, and so his head had always been like off the charts. And so we're like, okay, the maybe we need to get this looked looked at and so our doctor sent us to children's mm. the cranial what do they call it craniofacial or whatever they do and they looked at his head and at the time he was still within normal limits for development um and they're like you know measure family members heads to see if it's genetic you know and okay. it was oh, okay <laughs> so yes so my husband's side of the relieved. family has some large heads and so yes but that you know looking back and like mm, maybe that was something <laughs> okay um yeah and so um, yeah, so he started walking at 19 months, but at that point he was starting to read and like, we're like, wow. this, like, I don't think that's normal. Like, this is our first child. Like I've never had a kid before, but I don't think that's normal. <laughs> You're like, this book says six plus and he's reading it. So <laughs> right. what are they talking about? Yeah. And so I was starting to wonder like, okay, like something seems a little different about him. Yeah. Um, like I was thinking like, well, maybe he's just a smart kid. Like my husband's very intellectual. Like maybe mm -hmm. he's just, just a smart kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and then as time went on, like it continued, he like started to have this like enormous vocabulary and was like incredibly articulate and, you know, reading and you and, weren't like, like I was doing nothing like he was just doing this on his own I wow. I mean so you know and I was of the philosophy like you know kids don't really have to learn till they're seven like I went into it like I'm not gonna push anything they learn when they learn and yeah. like but here he was just doing it and I was like this is bizarre yeah you're like are you trapped in a <laughs> child's body but you're really right. an adult <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> and so yeah and so and at the same time, I had had like a couple people in my life start to allude to the fact like, you know, I don't want to say anything because I know it's a sensitive topic, but I wonder if he's on the spectrum, Amanda. <laughs> mm. um, and so at first I had like emotional wall about, I was yeah. very defensive. I'm like, my kid is fine. Like, look, you know, he's all these things he's doing. He's fine. He ended up walking like, you know, he's fine, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I just was very defensive about sure. it. Um but then as time went on, I was like, hmm, like there do seem to be, you know, he does have some of these delays and he gets these like, in he gets this like intense focus on the things he's interested in and mm. learns really fast. And like, you know, maybe we should talk to somebody about it. You know, it was a slow process of breaking down that wall and like humbling myself and be like, okay, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe we need to look into this. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. Cause it's like excite. Like if Grayson could read mm -hmm. and be like, look at my child, like he right. can read. And right. then totally. there's probably also the like, mm, right. that is odd. It's not normal. It's not yeah. normal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so were you tempted to, did you like Google it ever? Were you oh, like, yeah. okay. I'm so a you big were like, researcher. Okay. <laughs> so were there already things that you knew that you were like, this is probably what this is. Yeah. Well, before we, before I actually suspected autism, I thought it was something called hyperlexia, which is like the opposite of dyslexia. Okay. So, cause he was reading and you know, letters, numbers, like all of those things. Um, and I looked into it and I was like, this is actually a thing like hyperlexia. Um, and there was a doctor who had a theory that there are three different kinds that there's just like, you know, neurotypical child, but they just, 
are gifted basically and advanced. Then there's the second one where it is related to the autism spectrum. And then the third one was, you know, they are, um, I can't remember what defined that one now, but basically like they have these hyperlexic qualities, but they're not autistic. Mm. Um, but you know, they do have some differences. Um, and so I was thinking, well, it's probably just that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, but then as more time went on, like he started doing some like stimming behaviors and I was okay. like, okay, well maybe we need to actually have him evaluated. <laughs> yeah. So we did when he was three, we took him in and had him evaluated and, and just at like Seattle children's or where do you, is it like a specialist? It was, we could have gone to children's we, but we ended up going to just a private practice, okay. a psychiatrist and um yeah and they ended up diagnosing him with high functioning autism um and that he's you know also has pretty high intelligence which is common with high functioning autistic people okay <laughs> um so i have learned so much about this whole world but he's what they call twice exceptional um interesting so he's you know exceptional in both directions so like intellectually he's like way ahead but like in some other areas, like his motor skills and his social skills, he's like way behind. So it's like this really uneven development. Oh, I see. Okay. Like asynchronous development, they call it. So, so when they give you this diagnosis, do they give you tip? Like, do they, they don't just like, here's what you have. They say like, here's the ways of coping. Here's the way of helping. Right. They suggested you probably want to get him into some kind of therapy. Okay. Um, which we did. And he has been at that place ever since, which has been really good, really positive, like occupational therapy, just like regular therapy that incorporates like ABA plus some other types of therapy. Okay. So, and so they help him with like the, the social aspect as well. Yeah. He goes to social groups that they do like twice a year. Um, that's cool. So yeah. So just like learning the social skills, you know, cause he, that's hard. It is. I mean, it's hard for any kid. Right. But like, it doesn't come intuitively to him. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's a very tender, loving, affectionate kid, which was another thing. I was like, he can't be autistic. He's so affectionate, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Because often he doesn't fit the stereotype. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's why they say it's like a spectrum, right? Because you really in any, yes, any line of that spectrum. What I've learned is it's not even like a number line. It's like a color wheel. Oh, wow. So there's like all these different traits that people have different levels of. Um, and it's not like you're more autistic or less autistic. You're like more or less with each individual trait. Interesting. <laughs> so that's really yeah. hard. I'm sure that's a lot to balance too, because, yeah. because then you hear autism and you mm-hmm. think of a certain type of character or you right. think of a behavior totally. And you're like, but wait, that's not him. And that's why I resisted it for so long. I'm like, he doesn't fit the stereotype of, you know, like the aloof. Well, he can't be aloof, but like, you know, the aloof (laughs) boy that, you know, has no social skills and is not affectionate and doesn't like any touch at all. And, you know, um, so he didn't fit a lot of those things. I'm like, in some ways he seems really normal, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, For a long time, people may or may not pick up on is he actually, you know, they might think he's just a normal kid that just acts up sometimes, you know, yeah. it's become more apparent over time. Mm. Um, but yeah, like he started becoming very picky with his eating. Like right. that was something I beat myself up over 
a lot in the beginning because <laughs> I was thinking like I'm doing everything quote unquote right. I'm doing all the things that you're supposed to do to get a kid to eat everything. And like he has a will of steel. This was before <laughs> you. That got was the actually diag- before I got the diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Eating for me is so hard. Mm-hmm. Like Grayson eating. I actually interviewed a dietitian mm-hmm. last last year. Mm-hmm. This year, technically, when we're right, recording, right, right. but last right. year when this airs, that's confusing. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, and when we first spoke, mm-hmm. like we actually met before I interviewed her, and I mean, I felt like it was therapy for me, right? Being like, because that is heavy that we weigh. I feel like as moms, is we like do. my child just wants quesadillas, like that's it. That's all my son wants to eat is quesadillas. quesadillas. <laughs> it actually got to the point where Grayson was like, I actually don't like quesadillas anymore because it's oh, all gosh. I eat. Yeah. And then thankfully he came back. So I was like, as right. much as I complained, that's all he ate. They're also the easiest thing to make. So that's true. I exactly. kind of like that you like quesadillas. Right. It's easy. But, but it is hard. I, mm. from day one, yeah. I feel like I've weighed really heavy on Grayson's eating. Right. I've weared it really heavy, I should say. It's right. weighed really heavy it's on like me. It's like you almost make it part of your identity. Like, I'm failing as a mom, like, because. Like, well, yeah. It starts which you're with, not. But, <laughs> right. But it starts with, like, breastfeeding, right? right? Does he latch? Does he not? Totally. Does he like what you eat? Does mm-hmm. he not? And then it's solids. What am I feeding him first? Right. Like, literally, from day one, mm-hmm. this, like, food idea of a child of what we're right. feeding them is such a burden a sometimes thing. yeah for sure because it can feel like this is my scale of my motherhood exactly like am I good or bad or medium yep. or terrible and totally and that ugh. was yeah like I call like becoming a mother for anyone is a humbling process mm. <laughs> yes because you go into motherhood with all these ideas of how things are going to be and it may or may not, it, well, most likely won't <laughs> be exactly yes. the way you thought it was going to be. I just was telling this to somebody the other day because I had a friend who was talking about some things and I finally just said, I want to give you so much advice, but right. I just want you to know what I expected out of motherhood right. is not at all what it's like. So Absolutely. dream, fantasize, right. believe, but also know right. it's probably not going to happen that way. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, and it's good to have ideals and standards and stuff, yeah. but like be flexible with them. That's the thing. <laughs> yes. Just be, just have grace and be like, right. it's okay if Absolutely. that's not how it goes. Absolutely. This is just what I want. Yes. It might not happen that way. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So food. He <laughs> so would, that's been a huge issue. Yes. He is in feeding therapy now. Okay. <laughs> so that has helped. It's a glacial process though. Once again, I was thinking, oh good, he's in feeding therapy. Maybe things will get a lot better. Mm. And it's very slow. Okay. <laughs> so like, yeah, he's eating carrots now. So that's like, thankfully our saving grace is green smoothies. Mm. Like that all along, that is how we have gotten nutrition and, and pouches. Like okay. You said. Yes. I love, pouches. <laughs> I love pouches. I eat them I, myself. I, I love oh, yeah, them. Totally. Yeah. And I still give them to my son. He's almost seven. So Good. I like, I'm like to know if that. This is the one way that we can get vegetables into you, you know, <laughs> that's and how Grayson eats. Honestly, one, cause I yeah. don't think he would try them. And two, cause I'm terrified he's going to choke. So right. I'm like, you know what? Right. This is good for me. Totally. Works for you. Works for me. Totally. Whatever works. <laughs> so. so with his autism, is it like texture of food that's hard or is it just that he has a preference so he doesn't want to expand? It's, it's a number of things. It's like sensory, like texture, but it's also he has like a motor issue with like how his tongue and his jaw works. So they're working on that. And also just one of his biggest autistic issues is difficulty with change. Like he wants things to be exactly the same all the time. Yeah. And that is one, I mean, in all aspects of his life, like he Mm. does not like change. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, So we've had to learn how to do a lot of like, 
prepping him for things like this is what's going to happen. We got to talk about it ahead of time because if uh, if there's a surprise, then we get meltdowns up the yin yang. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, so <laughs> so does he? So he's obviously gifted. Yes. Okay. So he does is. he go to? a gifted school or so that's been another journey we're like because even when he was like you know two and reading we're like he's already like at a kindergarten level like what are like he's going to be bored out of his mind like what are we going to do for school Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and I mean just like realizing that you have a gifted kid too has kind of been like even aside from autism has kind of been like an interesting journey in and of itself. Like that's also been humbling because like everybody wants to think, oh, my kid is gifted, right? Mm, Interesting. It's not easy (laughs) when you actually have a gifted child. Like um, we ended up going to a support group actually for parents of gifted kids and we learned so much. Like we didn't realize that like gifted kids actually have a lot of psychological difficulties a lot of the time, like very consistent, like it's a known thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And a lot of them are twice exceptional, like my son either with autism, ADHD, OCD, like a number of these things. So yeah, that it's, it is interesting. My nephew actually is in a gifted program. Okay. Yeah. And they found out because he was like, and again, I should let my sister tell the story because sure. I'm not going to tell it great, but right. basically in school he was struggling, mm-hmm. but it's not because he wasn't smart. He exactly. just like wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't engaged, wasn't If they're not um, interested, they're not going to engage. Yeah. yeah. And so finally one of his teachers, I guess, was like, you should try and get him tested. And he did. I mean, he's wow. um, 10 and he reads at like a college level. That's and amazing. Math at a college level. Like he's wow. really smart. So he is in his own program now. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think to your point, like there can be like mm-hmm. this excitement, right? Like my son's gifted. Right. But my sister does the same thing. She doesn't really like to say that he's in the right. gifted and program. And see, that's the other thing is how other people perceive it. Yes. It's like, mm-hmm. and I even used to think this way before I actually had a gifted child. I was like, parents just want to brag about their kids. Yeah. They think you're bragging all the time. Like that's, it's not that. Like I'm just like, everybody's usually posts on social media. Like this is what my kid is doing right now. And, yeah. But when I just say, this is what my kid is doing right now, it's perceived as, oh, you're bragging, you know, right, right. <laughs> which it's not that, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of this delicate, because I don't want to come across as like, oh, look at my kid, look at what he's doing, you know, because like, it's not that easy. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously it sounds like it's not that easy. I mean, just the amount of things you're saying he has to do. And I don't want to say to be a normally functioning child because right. I, I don't or want neurotypical. to sound neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just to do those things, you have to add so many more things to just for one child oh, yeah. to mm-hmm. your plate to do that. So totally. yeah, it's great that he's obviously gifted and can right. do all these things, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that comes with that clearly. Right. And that it makes it hard for them growing up too, because they're yes. so different than their peers, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. So, which comes back to schooling, we yes. had to figure out what are we going to do? Um, and you know, I started toying with the idea of homeschooling cause, and I had honestly never thought I would become a homeschooler. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had a great public school experience. Like I'm sure my kids can have a great public school experience too, but here I'm like, he's not going to fit in the public school mold. Yeah. <laughs> um, they do have a gifted program, but it doesn't start until third grade. So, I mean, they do like a pull out thing. They put you in the standard classroom, but then they just pull them out like twice mm. a week. Um, and I still feel like he would have been bored out of his mind. <laughs> well, and I think to something that I guess I would consider mm-hmm. is like, 
first off, I'm terrified to leave Grayson anywhere. So the idea right. of him going to school gives me a lot of anxiety. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure by that point sure. I'll be ready. Yeah. But to know that there is going to be almost like this social challenge. And yeah. that's such a big almost part guaranteed. of school. Mm-hmm. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Right. And that stuff can be really lasting on a child. Absolutely. Like their experience of what that. Oh, totally. What that entails. So mm-hmm. ugh, definitely. That's a lot to balance. So are <laughs> yeah. you a homeschool teacher so then? I am a part-time homeschooler. Okay. <laughs> so um, I learned that our district has a parent partnership program, okay. which is incredible. And it is just the perfect fit for us. <laughs> so what's that? So you have him. So there's actually a school that he goes to school for classes three days a week. But it's only for like three hours, so it's not even that much time. And then we just do the rest at home. And so like we do homework for those classes, but then we fill in the gaps, everything else at home. And are they doing it to his level or is it still? Yeah, like so last year he was in kindergarten and we had him in the kindergarten class and he was acting up a lot. And see, that's another Mm. thing that happens with a lot of gifted kids is they have a lot of behavior issues because when they're bored and unengaged, they start doing things to entertain themselves, which are disruptive. (laughs) Yes. Because they probably want attention. Right. Or they just, you know, they want to do something that's going to be interesting to them, you know? Yes. (laughs) So, and yeah, causing a commotion can achieve that. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. So I was like, okay, I just have this, you know, gut feeling we need to challenge him some more. And so I talked and the, the teachers there are awesome. They're amazing. And so I talked to them. I was like, can we bump him up to like the first, second, third grade classes um, and so they're like, yeah, as long as, you know, in maturity wise, he's still behind. So mm-hmm. that's what makes it difficult. So with the parent partnership, you can be there with, with him in the classroom. And so that's what I did. And so we did the, the older classes and I was with him and it was like night and day with his behavior because mm. <laughs> he was starting to be challenged. And then you could help intercept like exactly. some of the probably concerns they have exactly because a kindergartner with a third grader exactly is very different right exactly yeah. and there were days when he was just having an off day and I was like we're you know can we get the homework we're just gonna leave because like you know yeah, we're just off nice. today and it's yeah. so nice that we can do that you know mm-hmm. so it's really wonderful having that flexibility and yeah does he have the ability then to like graduate sooner like is that what potentially could happen? Um, potentially, we're, I mean, we're just kind of, we don't have no plan. We're just kind of, yeah. <laughs> we've learned we can't have a solid plan anymore <laughs> for anything. <laughs> like, whatever happens, happens. But Plans, there is that potential. There yes. is a potential, like, he could do, like, running start or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. But, but the goal would be to have him at a maturity level so he's ready for that? See, that's the thing is like okay. we have to get his maturity level caught up. <laughs> and so, and that's, that's oh what gosh. makes it so hard it's because so hard. he's like intellectually like an adult. It's like talking to a little adult, but then like emotionally, like he has these meltdowns and acts like a normal sibling to his siblings, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and it's like, yeah. can you even can you even do that? Like in my mind, sure, mm-hmm. you could teach somebody math or reading sure. or science, but then could you actually teach them maturity? Right, you can't. <laughs> I mean, so like, you just have to like naturally I mean, you can, I mean, with therapy, like we teach sure. him, you know, coping mechanisms for how to deal with his big feelings and, mm-hmm. you know, things, how to cope with things. Yeah. So that does help over time. And your other children, have they had any signs of um, like spectrum at all or um we were definitely keeping an eye like after alex i was like i'm humbled now i'm like we're gonna keep an eye out for all those signs early on yeah. <laughs> um and i do think that they might be at least i don't know if they're gifted but they are very bright um, okay 
but I don't think they're on the spectrum. Okay. Um, they seem very neurotypical. Like they, they pick up on social stuff very easily. Okay. Um, which so. on the spectrum, mm-hmm. since you've done all your research, right. <laughs> um, can you have both? Can you have like a high functioning, like from an intelligent standpoint and be able to have a social like a high social skill? Can you have both? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, can you learn it eventually? Or Meaning, like, like, could somebody be as intelligent as your oldest son mm-hmm. and also match the maturity level of their oh, intelligence? Oh, I see. Like, just gifted without the other challenges kind yeah. of? Yeah, that can happen. Like, there are, I mean, like my daughter, which it's really interesting having multiple kids because you see how much is nature. <laughs> versus Mm. nurture my daughter is like um very emotionally mature and um like very insightful and like you know she's intelligent in a very different way than her brother okay (laughs) um and she eats everything (laughs) 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 and so that that was when I had her that's when I was finally like okay maybe I'm not a terrible mother because I'm doing the all the things with her and it's working on her Mm. she eats everything (laughs) where in it's it's so funny that I have like such not normal like she's like there's nothing she won't eat except goat cheese that's the only she <laughs> she won't eat. everything else she eats and then my son will eat nothing <laughs> so it's such wow. a dichotomy <laughs> oh man yeah. are you are you doing like the multiple dinners like dinner for him yeah, um dinner. yeah he usually gets his own yeah what we're doing though is trying to give him a bite of what we're eating on his plate oh cool so he at least has to like smell it mm-hmm. and lick it and eventually, you know, this is how we got him eating baby carrots now. And we're working on apples right now. <laughs> it's okay. very slow, but like, the, you know, he has Gotta to at least patience. kind of sense it first, get used to it. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Uh, there was like this point in time, obviously, as you know, like during motherhood, you're like seasons change. Yes. And they, cu- they, they change slowly. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it feels like at times. Mm-hmm. And so there was this moment in time where we could start having dinner together as a family. And yeah. I was like, Oh, this is so great. Cause yeah. we late, we put his bedtime later. And, mm-hmm. um, and then that's when I realized, Oh, he does not like to eat what we're eating. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes we eat stuff that I have to remember, like our palate right. has a lot more years and experience exactly. and things than his. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried for the longest time to do like, everyone eat the same thing. Right. And then finally I was like, screw that. Right. If it's if not you're working, eating like, and I'm eating mm-hmm. and we're having dinner together. Right. Cool. That's, and if you're eating and I'm not eating yet because it doesn't work for me tonight. Right. Cool. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the point I've gotten to as well. I'm just like, you know yes. what? As long as the child is fed and has some semblance of good nutrition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, um, Marlene is the dietitian that I interviewed and she was Uh saying that like that a lot of it is just like experience, you know, like she was, I can't remember exactly, but when we first met, she was like, when you first had a tomato, somebody wasn't Mm -hmm. like, here, take a bite of a tomato. Like it was probably mixed in with something you had salsa you had. And so what we're doing sometimes with our kids is being like, here, try this. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get this opportunity to do exactly that. Like Mm -hmm. smell it, taste it touch it, feel it, like all these things. And so that's what I try to do with Grayson. Now, Mm -hmm. let me be very clear. It's slow with him too. Totally. (laughs) I mean, and I think that that's within the normal range of typical children too. (laughs) Like pickiness is a thing. (laughs) It's so funny though, because I could put sugar on his plate Mm -hmm. and he'll know what it is. Mm -hmm. 
Like, oh yeah. He'll be like, Oh, frosting. Yeah. I'm much. I'm like, how do you know what frosting is? Like, <laughs> I think this is the first time. Oh, candy cane. Like right. he just knows what a candy cane is. Oh, that's I was so like, funny. That's so weird. I don't know how that works. Like right. <laughs> I'm sure it's something that in our society he sees or hears or sure. whatever, but I don't know yeah. how he knows it's sugar. Right. But he'll eat it. Right. No questions. Oh yeah. That was the first thing that Alex warmed up to was sweet things. Mm. <laughs> Before he warmed up to anything else, he decided cookies were okay. You know what, though? <laughs> that's that's the magic of, like, watching them have totally. chocolate or cookies for the first time. Yeah. Because there mean, was a point when he wouldn't even eat that stuff. And so it was like, oh, okay, really? if you want to eat sugar, okay, eat, you're eating something new. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. When Grayson just got sick recently, like, just a normal virus. Yeah. And um, he wouldn't eat. And so, right. of course, you're terrified. And I have to remind myself, like, He's fine. His fluids right. are good. Fluids are good. But the doctor was like, it's okay. It's okay. Right. And I, but we did end up taking him into children's and he, they were like, as long as you just don't push sugar on him, cause mm-hmm. kids will just normally when they bounce back, they want to eat sugar. So right. just don't do that. Cause it's, you know, can be hard on their stomach or whatever. Right. But I remember Grayson was like, I want a cookie. And right. I was like, you want 10? Cause you just haven't <laughs> eaten in like three days. And so right. I know what she said, but I'd rather you have something in your belly right. than nothing. Right. Oh, so, so he hard. did. Yeah. He had a cookie. No, I, bet I he went did. totally against what she said. And sometimes <laughs> you got to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just got to follow, follow your gut. Yep. Got to follow it. Absolutely. <laughs> but sweets are hard. Cause I yes. think all kids want them. Right. But right. he had to warm up to those too. He did. Yeah, there was a time that he, like, we'd go trick-or-treating and he wouldn't touch his Halloween candy. Like, we actually put him in preschool for hey, two years. Hey, that's a bonus so. for yeah. you. Oh, it's good then for you us, right? All the candy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, yeah, he actually did go to preschool, like, standard preschool for two years just okay. for the social aspect of it. And that actually did help him open up to eating. Like, they had sweets a lot. Mm. And, and just, like, goldfish crackers. And, like, you know, the standard kid snacks that he wouldn't eat before. Yeah. He at least started eating some of those things. So. That's good. Yeah. Do you think it was because he saw other people eating it? Um, probably somewhat. Um, mm-hmm. although he's never been that influenced by his peers, which, okay. which will maybe be a good thing in the future. Like peer pressure, yeah. you know, he won't be influenced by it, but sometimes now we're like, can you just be influenced by your peers a little more? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Isn't that funny? Cause you're right. Someday you're probably going to be like, oh, this is really great that you don't do that. Right. But right It'll now be you're an like, asset as, yeah. as an adult, you know, or as a teenager or whatever. But or you're yeah. like, crap! Remember when you didn't care what they thought, right. and now you do. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it could go either way. It's true. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So are you going to homeschool all your kids then? Um. Once again, we have no solid plan. Okay. <laughs> Is the goal maybe that or what are you Um, leaning towards for now we are just going to stick with the parent partnership because okay and my daughter starts kindergarten next year and so we're just going to have her start kindergarten in the program there Mm -hmm. um I think she would thrive anywhere like we probably could put her in regular public school and she would thrive so you know we're just kind of feeling it out and like we'll let her have a say and my my younger son too we'll let them have a say like with what they want to do because like Mm -hmm. she's shown an interest in going to regular public school so like whatever she ends up wanting to do and what we think would work best for our family okay so that's cool yeah yeah it's cool to give them that decision too and and it's nice if like the program works then you can keep her there and if it doesn't well and that's the thing yeah we could just put her in regular kindergarten if it's not working then we just bring her back to the partnership and easy peasy yeah <laughs> so well and I do think a lot it's good that you share that though because mm-hmm. a lot of people probably do wrestle with that right and it's nice to know like 
You okay. Don't, it doesn't have to be set in stone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are there are these paths in motherhood where people like right. set things in stone. Totally. And I used to think that way. Yeah. Until I have the children that I have now, and I'm just like, yep, I have been cured of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's something to be thankful for too. Yes. It makes you. I would say it makes you a really good advice giver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you have something like that that kind of like shakes the societal norm totally of what people expect mm-hmm. people will come to you when their society or their normal has been shook a little bit right because right. they want to hear your perspective right right and yeah and that's kind of been the cool thing about youtube is like i've talked about all of these things on there and you know you find that there are other people going through the exact same things and you can really like learn from each other and support each other and realize yeah. oh oh that's normal oh i didn't i mean for this type of kid like yeah oh you're kid does that too like okay maybe I'm not crazy you know yeah (laughs) so yeah it's really powerful that is nice it's Mm -hmm. you know we've said it before but a village Mm -hmm. is good absolutely and community is good have to have a village yeah gotta be able to talk about that mama stuff Mm -hmm. absolutely it's hard it really does (laughs) I mean ugh, I feel like I could just go on for like hours about Yes. Just the stuff you even, it's funny because you could have this like perspective of like, oh, do what's right for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all these great, warm, fuzzy Mm -hmm. advice feelings. And then when it comes to the moment, I'm like, well, wait a second, what should I do? What will they think? And Mm -hmm. what do they do? And how do they think of this? And it's like, okay, wait, whoa, pause. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we did what was right for us and it worked out good? (laughs) Okay. Exactly. Come back to that. Yeah. And do that. For sure. I mean, cause it's like, you have to have this balance of like, you do want to synthesize like all of the things that people are saying are like, these are all the ways you can do this thing with what works for us, you know, right. it's like you want to take input, but you also have to ultimately be, you are the advocate. You are the, yeah, you like know, when decision is it maker. too much data? Like right. when are you getting too much information Right. to where now it's like, how do I actually make a decision? Right. Cause for that's sure. hard in motherhood. It is. And it is. we have data in everywhere. the world we live in now. It's like, there is too much information yes. sometimes yes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Again, the, the non benefits of social media right. and the internet. <laughs> right. It's a, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, with everything that you've gone through and everything that you're continuing to kind of face as a mom, mm-hmm. um, what's your one piece of advice that you would give to all the mamas out there? Um, I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really think that like, just knowing that there really is no one right way. Mm. There really isn't like, you know, I early in motherhood, I thought that like, there really is all of this stuff that you should do to make your kid turn out a certain way. And like, if you plug in this formula, then they will come out this way. And Mm. man, I have been so humbled about that. (laughs) Like (laughs) you have to go into it, you know, expecting, you know, the unexpected. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's story is different. Everybody has different challenges and everything, but yeah, you have to go into it. Like you said, like it's going to be different than you think it's going to be. Yeah. And you have to accept that and be okay with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then just realize what works for you and your family. And that is what is right for you. <laughs> that's <laughs> really no good. one right way. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's great advice. And mm-hmm. the amount of times I've heard that advice and then, mm-hmm. been, and then given that advice, mm-hmm. but then also needed that advice. Right. <laughs> is, right. I had to hear a it a thousand times before mm-hmm. it really sunk in for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Maybe when Grayson's six, then I'll feel like I can be like, <laughs> okay, that's sinking in. Right. Cause there is sometimes that I have to be like, Oh, okay. It's me. It's me. It's just uh, what's here. Right. What do we need to do? Right. 
Because that's something that we're faced with all the time as moms. Totally. Everyone's mm-hmm. opinion, everyone's... Everybody has an opinion. ...judgment mm-hmm. or whatever you want to look at it as and... Totally. Yeah. <laughs> ugh, it can be hard. For sure. Well, Amanda, I cannot thank you enough... Yeah, ...for you. coming here today and for sharing your story. Thanks for having um, me. Yes, it was my pleasure. And honestly, I'm going to have you back and share your home birth story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about that. Yeah, that for about sure. Yeah. Big heads and home births. That's totally. That's got to make for a good yeah. story. Yeah, totally. And I've realized, I mean, it could be a whole other podcast, but like I realized <laughs> a lot about like my own mental health and like mm. my husband's mental health because of this journey we've gone on with my son and um, like some chronic health issues and things like that as oh, well wow. too. So yeah, but that, you know whole other podcast. Well, we'll do it again. Yeah, talk about it on my here. YouTube vi- or on my YouTube videos. <laughs> okay. So. Well, I'll probably just go watch it there. Then. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you're hooked, you can subscribe to this podcast, follow along on social media at the mama stories, or visit the website, mamastories.com. And mama's I love you.